Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Snap Out of It Radio Network. Hear all our great shows across the world. Join our community at snapoutofitradionetwork.com. So wake up, stand up, and snap out of it. Empowered Love with author, self-mastery coach, and relationship expert, Melanie Tanya Evans. Take back your power, heal your soul, and set yourself free. Free through Empowered Love. And now your host of Empowered Love, Melanie Tanya Evans. Hi everyone, I'm Mel and welcome to another show. Uh, And as always, you know, we're talking about some really good topics and some things that are very empowering and really good information. And today's, today's show is about narcissism. And even though I'm doing the narcissism special once a month with Lisa, this show I thought was important to bring forth and, and to get this forward now and also to it gives me the opportunity to uh, interview and talk and throw around some things with a lady who we're going to call New Wings. And uh, New Wings, she's going uh, under this name and not her normal name because at the moment she's in uh, a battle in a, in a narcissistic situation which is over... Uh, custody and things like that and I think it's really really important for ladies out there to understand that when you are uh, separating and you're, you're getting your life back on track and whatever else it's it's really important to be smart about how you're doing that and if anybody has gone through narcissistic abuse and narcissistic separation, you will understand that the narcissist is actually very, very capable of using information against you. So, you know, it's good to play it smart. When I separated, I didn't play it smart. I wrote in detail about that in my book, about how I really did everything wrong and how uh, it blew up in my face because uh, I really didn't foresee or, or work out or have enough mindfulness to do it in an empowered way. So I think it's great that uh, New Wings is doing what she's doing. She's helping people. She's out there. She's on uh, narcissistic forums and um, you know doing her work, but she's also very mindful about protecting herself and being smart about it, which is a really good example. But what we're going to be talking about today is narcissism in schools, and how narcissism, um, like bullying, crops up at a very, very young age, and how we can bring more awareness in this, we can all get more proactive about this, and maybe really lobby and bring information to schools, and you know, really start demanding that or commanding that from our education system, because as we know, narcissism is an epidemic. So anyway, welcome New Wings. Thank you for coming on. Thank you, Melanie. Thanks for having me on your show and greetings to all of your listeners. Lovely, lovely. You know, as soon as I got your email that you sent me and and really, you know, got your passion about this and this information that you wanted to really uh, air and make public and voice and I think it's great. I think it's great that, uh, you know, women like you go through situations and then really want to reach out and really want to help because I know with me too, it it really gives us purpose and it really, you know, it's win-win, isn't it? It's part of our healing and it's uh, very much about helping others so that, you know, hopefully they're going to be better armed than what we were when we went through it. Would you agree with that? Completely, Melanie. Um, I was on the receiving end of a midlife crisis divorce that came out of nowhere and created a 180-degree different person who went to the dark side. And so the behaviors were things that I had no tools, no knowledge, and no understanding of how to deal with. I didn't know what they were. I didn't know how to identify them until I started my own journey and went on the path to start reading and learning and writing uh, and discussing with other people um, really what it was I was seeing. And uh, once I found narcissism and malignant narcissism, 
um, and the spectrum um, of narcissists versus psychopaths, it helped um, my healing and my understanding in a huge fashion, and it helped me understand steps that I would need to take moving forward, both with my own recovery, uh, with co-parenting a daughter, uh, and with um, making factual arrangements for the next steps of my life. I couldn't have done it without this journey, actually. Yes, yes, absolutely. So when did you, was it, uh, how long did it take you to understand that it was narcissism or find that information? Actually, um, at the time of the separation, I went on the Internet um, because the behavior I was seeing was so bizarre, um, uh, lying and the sky was purple and then it was pink and then it was purple, um, that it, it was driving my brain in different directions. And so the first thing I did was to find uh, one of the most prominent midlife crisis forums where I became a participant there. And it was only after, I think, a month or two uh, that one of the folks on that site contacted me separately and said that what I was describing uh, consistently on the site was so much more severe than what all the other posters were talking about that that person recommended that I should uh, go on to the narcissism forum on the Internet. And uh, once I started there, I devoured like a hungry person for five or six hours a day, sometimes more, um, because of what I was reading was exactly the life I had been living and a checklist of my um, ongoing experiences. It was quite a shocker. Um, but it was very... Um, uh, I felt that I was coming to a place where people knew exactly what I was going through when um, before that moment no one uh, really understood. So New Wings, did you, was this behavior in the marriage before the midlife crisis and then it escalated or can you just clear that up? Yes, um, I thought that we had been happily married for 10 years, uh, together more than 12 years. At the time we had a five-year-old daughter uh, and not a year before that, um, my ex-husband actually reproposed to me on our 10-year anniversary, gave me another one-carat uh, one diamond, and asked me to spend the next 40 years with him. And a year later, he was gone. Goodness. That so, must so, enormous, so enormous shock. Um, there were changes that we went through moving from the east coast of the United States to the Southern California area, um, things that I didn't understand until much later. Uh, we crossed the state line and he got the red sports car convertible. Um, we moved into an incredibly wealthy, entitled community. And um, within months, he'd lost his first job, and then he lost another, and then he lost another. Uh, so we were kind of going into a death spiral. And then he took up company um, locally uh, that uh, was not a, a positive influence. And within two and a half years, um, there, were thing, there were behavioral uh, changes that I had never seen before. He was cursing at me. Uh, I went through a devalue and discard where things that were said to me uh, were like consistent punches to my gut because they were every day multiple times and they were words like bile that had never come out of his mouth before in 12 years. Mm. It was volcanic. It's really interesting, isn't it? Because generally with uh, narcissism, generally it's an ingrained personality condition that you know the narcissist is, is, is very, very skilled at covering up until well, I, yeah, I discovered through the marriage uh, various things that he dropped casually that I didn't understand the meaning of until much later. Um, he was raised in California and came from a drug-using family and had claimed that that was part of his past, when yes. in fact during the marriage it was clear that he was lying about that and it was part of his current life that he pursued while he traveled on business. Um, okay. and then so that was going then, on in the background? In the background, yeah. So there was kind of a parallel life situation going on. Um, also, in the six months before he left, he admitted to me that he had had homosexual experiences as a younger man, 
Um, and so I was just hit with this cocktail of, I, I really don't know you then, apparently. Uh, and then all of that just escalated into what became um, criminal behavior, actually. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, and look, that's a long time, isn't it? Ten years for that stuff to be under the surface. And then Ten all years. of a yeah. sudden, yeah. you know, yeah. and if you were to take, because, you, look, I mean, I work really, really hard with this, with, with women. It's because there's a lot of consensus out there that, you know, we don't know that we're, uh, we're, we're powerless against this sort of stuff. And I'm a really big advocate for you know, all my research and my experience and my personal experience and my friends and all my clients' experiences is when the narcissist first comes into our life, that is very much a whirlwind experience where we lose our heads and we fall in very, very quickly and he enmeshes with us very, very quickly. Now, did this happen in your case when you first met him all those years ago? When I first met him, it was in a work situation. Um, we were each dating other people. Um, our getting to know each other was slow and casual. Um, yeah. I had been in a relationship before that uh, was not positive for me, and so yeah. he knew I had concerns. Yeah. Um, and in truth, I at no time in the course of the marriage uh, had red flags or concerns or issues until yeah. after our daughter was born, okay, um, which changed all of the dynamics and it moved my focus and my attention away from him. And I was it also just say, that must yeah, have, yeah. you know, really triggered that. Yeah, and it also established me as the primary female figurehead in our separate family, as opposed to the very, very, very strong matriarchal influence of his mother. Um, uh, so power position, there was some jockeying going on. And as I moved into the mother role, I became more protective, more assertive, more coming into my own, and that was yeah. not welcomed. Um, okay. I also you have said that you were quite um, submissive, like for, well, you know, submissive is probably too strong a word. But if you can get what I'm saying, like at the, for the relationship, do you think that, was it a lot about him? We met in a corporate work environment in high technology, and we yes. were uh, peer level um, in job functions. Yes. Uh, when we first married, uh, part of our negotiated agreement was, um, since I had experienced many years ago the Epstein-Barr virus, chronic fatigue, um, and had been sick for quite a while, uh, I told him that I could not be super mom if we were going to have children. And yes. we actually negotiated that before becoming engaged. Yes. And so I was a stay-at-home mom uh, the vast majority of the time that we were married. We yes. moved from state to state as he changed jobs, and I participated actively in... Um, benefiting from real estate uh, jumps because of my design capabilities and yes. uh, so we made we made money on houses because of my skill yes. uh, I, I was within his family system which had a cultural background as well yes. I was within his family system the only stay-at-home mom yes. and I believe that there was uh, substantial resentment because of that and so um, Eventually, through time, and I started tallying things, it became clear to me that that position was one he didn't value. Um, that if you didn't bring money into the household, you basically had no use. Yes. Uh, yes. And so the, the message that came through at the time of our uh, separation um, was that I was supposed to pick up his slack um, yes. as a breadwinner um, but I learned much later that, well, not much later, but I learned after the split that he and his new special male friend had been discussing our marriage and divorce for an entire year before yeah. he moved and filed. So yeah. they put a lot of yeah. planning in place. There was a lot of um, uh, strategizing, intentional unemployment, and so forth, um, Look, which I was oblivious to. 
it's very interesting with the narcissist, isn't it? That and look, as you're saying, you were devalued because you know you were staying at home, being a stay-at-home mum. There's right. also with the narcissist, you know, devaluing can happen in so many ways. I know in my case. You know, look, I was high-powered and I was successful and I was running, you know, a, a successful college and there was a lot of students and and I was very much devalued in that, that, yeah. you know, apparently I wasn't giving enough time, I wasn't... And it's very much when the narcissism does occur and the devaluing, it's very much about, you know, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Yeah, yeah. Um, I actually asked him during our last year together, I asked him what it was that had first attracted him to me. And his reply was, you were the smartest woman I ever knew. So there's your cerebral aspect, which was um, paramount in his family, because all of the members had graduate degrees and so did I. But within the time of of our separation, um, when things really uh, went down the toilet, he treated me like I was brain dead. I mean, he instructed me on, you know, how to hold a fork, and suddenly I didn't know how to use a passport, and and um, I don't know if this was coming from his brain or from uh, the advisors around him, but I was okay. the same person on Wednesday that I was on Tuesday, and yet he started walking through our lives like I wasn't even in the room. I became invisible. Yes, yes. And that's very, very much a part of it. It definitely is. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I think, you know, this is an important message, I think, because the thing is, and look, I guess it is a little bit rare because often it's usually, you know, six months into it that Mm -hmm. the personality starts appearing. But you're right, midlife crises, and that's when ego can get energized. And ego gets energized when there's insecurities. And when mm-hmm. there's fears, and then there is this thing about the status, the power, the control, which is very, very much a society issue. And yeah. we've all been taught, unfortunately, that when we are feeling insecure or worthless, that it's about what can we get, what can we gain, what approval can we seek, rather than finding that inner resource within ourselves to... Uh, you know, heal and hold our insecurities. That's that's very much the case. And what I came to realize is that, this is my own view, of course, I thought that there were just two of us in the marriage bed, but there were the two of us and there were there was his new special male friend and there was his mother. And yeah. so I was outnumbered in having any influence on him or conversation and it was virtually a lost cause from the, the get-go. Um, yeah. the, the man yeah. that he befriended um, was extremely wealthy and, and um, uh, positioned himself as a life coach, self-help kind of guru yeah. um, and is a, is a name that some people might know. Uh, and the man, the man in, um, introduced himself to me as a, quote, former... Uh, gangster and uh, criminal, end yeah, quote. Yeah, um, yeah. And this was his main um, influence. Yeah, so, yeah, you know, yeah. people have asked me since then, uh, was this person the cause? And I say, well, of course not. But, you know, there's a catalyst for any situation. Um, and certainly he he was available to be molded, looked to this guy as an older brother kind of father figure, uh, I think. And off they went. Yes. So yes. Um, the, the, there was no fighting for the relationship. There was no uh, mm-hmm. remorse. There was no regret. There was no conversation. Um, he was just he just was gone. That was it. Yeah. 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 So, and look, you know, I think this is like just such an important message for us as women, and it's so tough when there's kids and there's resources and there's and there's things and I remember in my situation I didn't have a joint child but absolutely there was uh, resources and all sorts of things there was businesses and property and and just an enormous amount of things connected that I tried to work with and I tried to reason with and I tried to um, you know heal and 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 hold and reason and, and we're taught this we're taught to make it work 
Women yeah. are. And you know, now what I know, and now what I know as, you know, a single woman who dates and, uh, you know, and I, and I have some very uh, successful, wonderful dating experiences and a lot of, you know, great men that have gravitated into my space, I, I really believe it's as women that we... When we can get into our boundaries and when we realize when things aren't going right that we really have got the power to lay lines and to say, well, you know, this is what I need and can you do this and come on the same team and work at this as a common goal because if you can't, I, I'm not doing this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, uh, um, you know, it's tough. Our mothers never taught us that. Right. Uh, yeah, society right. didn't teach us that. Women are supposed to make it work. We're supposed to hang in there and make it work. And, uh, it, it, and look, you know, I found just from, uh, you know, my, my experiences and, and my uh, post-relationship experiences, it, it's when I do, when I get sure and I go, okay, well, you know, this is who I am and this is a, either is or isn't right for me. Are you, are you there on that team? And the interesting thing is that, you know, people really either step in line or they fall off and, and I know that I can be the creator of my reality regardless of what they are or aren't doing. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. hugely empowering, but I think it takes getting, uh, I, I think it takes, you know, as women when we've given everything, everything, we've exhausted every avenue. We've tried everything and then when we get past all of that and we go, well, you know, look, it's really not my purpose to try and fix. It's my purpose to really declare my truth and what Mm -hmm. I know is healthy and what I know I need and can you make that or can't you? Tough Mm -hmm. when we're going to lose a whole heap of stuff, you know. But Mm -hmm. uh, I think as women, we're we're all learning that to get it all, we've got to be willing to lose it all. And to know oh. we can put that line. The, the losing it all is quite a cleansing experience that I can vouch for firsthand. Do you know what, my um, love? I tell you what, I'm right with you on that one. Absolutely, because I lost it all as well. But in losing it all, I gained, you know, my sanity, my love for myself and my integrity. Absolutely, and I gained the same. I think one of the major lessons that I learned was that I had never lived in a life situation before being under attack. I had never lived in a life situation before where someone declared me to be the enemy and waged war on me. So I was not only uninformed, but I also had tools and I had no weaponry and you know, I had no sword and shield because I, I didn't even know. <laughs> it's like, you know, can you have a war if only one person comes? I, I didn't even know I was at war. Uh, yeah. And it was actually yeah. the men in my family around me who had to pound on me and say, you're still acting like this man's wife and he's trying to hurt you. Yes. So, yes, I was continuing yeah. to be trusting. I was continuing to be loyal. Uh, mm. to someone who had clearly in his head um, put me in a different camp. And uh, so it took quite a bit of pounding on me to become more self-protective. Um, yeah. And that took probably several years um, because the, the, the violations that he uh, perpetrated um, basically went past every boundary that I'd ever had in my life, but I never had to take inventory of my boundaries because I never had anybody attack them before. So I took things like self-esteem for granted. I took things like privacy and, you know, people aren't going to break into my home and steal stuff for granted because nobody ever had before. So before he walked out, he, he turned to me and he said, I'm sick of being responsible for your self-esteem. And I thought to myself, wow, that's a shocker. Um, because I thought I was responsible for my self-esteem. So at the time, my life was kind of rolling along. I was doing the mom thing. I was happily established within the neighborhood and the community where we'd gotten to know 100 families. So I was kind of motoring along. And he, on the other hand, I believe was fracturing. 
and tried to take me along with him. So when our conversations went from him saying I to saying we about problems and situations that only he individually was involved with or that I knew nothing about that applied only to him and he was discussing them in terms of we, I thought, wow, there's some... There's some boundary stuff here that's broken because this isn't about me. This is about you. Yeah. And I, I came to a, um, an epiphany situation actually walking through our master bathroom one evening where I said to him, I, I just know who I am and where I come from, an immigrant East Coast family with strong values and parents and relatives married forever. And I said, I just... It's not part of my life to be involved with people who are as ridiculously selfish as what I'm in the midst of right now. That's just not me. It's not who I am or what I want. So that may have been a stake in the ground for me that was a stab in his heart in some fashion uh, that accelerated everything, and I didn't know it at the time. You're spot on. You're spot on. Because really, you know, narcissism is about being that really scared little child who wants yeah. somebody to mop up all your messes for you. Oh, and that's an experience that I had widely in the course of the first three or four years of co-parenting. Yeah. Um, I, could, I could provide a laundry list of um, the times when he had our daughter on uh, co-parenting is week on and week off times when he had our daughter and he wouldn't have her sports equipment. He wouldn't buy her shoes for an event. He wouldn't buy her clothing for an event. He didn't have her backpack and wouldn't drive five five miles to get it. And the list went on and on and on. And I thought, wow, why did you ever ever become a parent? Yes. I I, I couldn't fathom someone who really couldn't see past their own self. Yes. Um, Yes. and, And that kind of of persona um, has strengthened and strengthened and strengthened over these last five or six years. So if someone asked me today, um, given everything that's happened, would you ever consider him again? I think to myself, gee, you know, when most people commit multiple felony crimes against you, do you really want them sitting at your dining table? And the answer is no. Exactly. Spot on. Spot on. And that is brilliant. And I think... Uh, no, like I had um, a client that I was working with, uh, an interstate client this morning that we're doing, you know, her healing and her empowerment work around it. And it really struck me this morning, and it's very relevant to what we're talking about now. She's, uh, you know, separated but still having contact and being really, really devalued and degraded and going through that horrible, horrible process of working up to no contact and mm-hmm. cutting it and getting into her power. And, you know, as women, I, I, I always go on about our genetic and our DNA uh, predisposition and how it can really work against us until we get empowered. And what it is, is we do, on some level, we see the man as our protector. We see mm-hmm. that he's strong, that he's capable, that, you know, it's some, somewhere there's something in him that's going to make it all better. And when here's the man that's really, you know, ripping you down and causing so much dishevelment in your life. I mean, I went through, goodness, nearly oh, ten court cases with with my ex narcissist. You know, well, all of his you're, drama. You're, you're past you're past me on that. I've just done mediation every quarter for six years. Yeah, well, you know, look, this was just all the disasters he was creating in life apart from, yeah. you know, the, the multiple intervention orders I took out and then reneged on and, and just so on and so forth and so on. And it was just, you know, I, I was living in courthouses um, yeah. through either him or us. And, but, but you know, when we're, we're hanging on and we're hanging on to that last little glimmer and, and you know, and we've been taught, and, and I did it, you know, I, I stayed in integrity, I stayed in fairness, I gave him chances, I wanted to believe the best in him, but, you know, at the end of the day, when you get down to it all, and you've hit the nail on the head so beautifully, do you want that person sitting at your dining room table? Would you have a friend or a business association with a person like this? No, you wouldn't. And you know what, Mel? 
you know what? Sitting in a mediation session with a woman who had given him um, everything he wanted every time we talked, eventually, like I wasn't even sitting in the chair, eventually that was what I had to say to her, and I had to ask her individually the question. If someone broke into your house and stole your stuff and threatened to hurt you and, you know, laundry list, yeah. blah, 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 would you yeah. then open your home to them and have you have them stay in your guest yeah. room? Would you? Yes. Yeah. And she had Hold no on. reply. Yes, yeah, spot on. Spot oh, on. And look, oh. and I had the same thing. I had bank accounts rifled. I had, um, you know, there were so many crimes committed against me that were actual felonies by my yeah, ex. right, right, um, right. You know, and, and then... That's Please forgive me, give me a chance. Sorry. Yeah, and the please forgive me and give me a chance. And you know I'd never do that again. And and I fell for that a lot of times because that part of me wanted to believe, of course, wanted to believe that this man, you know, had my best interests at heart and that he was a protector and that he was the man I always wanted him to be. But all the evidence was showing that... No, this was not someone I could trust. And you're right, it's that massive lesson in boundaries that women need to learn. That nobody is responsible for our boundaries except ourselves. And we have a choice. And we can get very logical and realize that when somebody is damaging us or acting criminally or narcissistically, that it's just, it's time to say no more and put up the boundaries. I had an advantage eventually. Um, um, in my prior life, I worked in Washington, D.C. and worked for lawyers for years. And my brain is very much centered and balanced between left brain and right brain. So when I dealt with um, a couple of lawyers, the first crew only wanted my money um, and they wanted me to just get out of the office even though my ex-husband was physically threatening to hurt me. Um, and the second lawyers really only supported people in the Navy, and it was just not the right match at all, I realized that just by throwing money at them, that was not protecting me. So I put on the old mantle of being my own attorney, and so I investigated the code, I investigated the law, um, and eventually, five years into mediation, I actually brought the code with me to the meetings, so that I could remind the mediator of what her job was to protect me. So I could remind my ex-husband of what the definition of stalking and harassment is according to the law. And when you said the word evidence, I will tell you that in, in my situation, there are two things that have kept my situation and my sanity. One is modified no contact, and the other is physical, tangible evidence any and every way that I could obtain it. Yes. Um, that, yes. that, that facts and, and something physical are the only uh, power positions um, that a narcissist will understand because every time in mediation that I threw uh, some tangible piece of proof in front of the mediator, whether it was a witness name or here's a phone number or you know here, here's the stack of 200 emails he sent me in the course of a month, he would respond by staying silent, which was yes. corroboration that I was yes. correct. Yes. Uh, and so I would encourage any uh, listeners out there, uh, and I stand firmly on this, uh, regardless of what legal counsel says, and apologies to any attorneys out there, um, but gaining that evidence, however it is to be gotten, um, at least in the court system that I've been operating in, is the only thing that people believe. Yes. Um, my, experience, w- my experience was that um, even though I had been a person of upstanding character and um, uh, in good standing in my community everywhere I had lived and that had never been an issue, suddenly being in the court system, I discovered that I was presumed to be a liar. Yes. And this, again, was not part of my life experience. So um, if the only thing that they understand is physical proof, then, yeah, I'll pile it up. So if you're waiting to gain gain, uh, blessing or approval from your legal counsel, um, it's not going to come. 
Um, but if your safety and your sanity and your well-being depends upon it, then take it into your own hands and get it if you can. Beautiful. Fabulous. And look, you know, we're going to do another show all about that. We haven't even got onto our topic yet because all of this is just so, so relevant. And I think, you know, that topic deserves a whole show. And your experience and, you know, my experience with all of that as well and uh, how to combat that because there's a lot of women out there that are very um, violated, very much in post-traumatic stress disorder, which is a part of the narcissism. And really, they need all of the logical strategies and the support to get through this when they're doing separation, when they're doing custody, when they're doing property settlement, because a lot of women come out of that really, really badly with narcissistic Mm -hmm. relationships, Mm -hmm. very much so, because they don't have the knowledge of how to deal with it. Well, part of the reason that I mention all these things is that this was a first-time journey for me. All of my experiences in the past five or six years um, have been a first-time journey, and they have molded me into the person that I've become, um, which is a combination of someone new plus the me that was me earlier in my life. And all of these experiences have combined to helping me understand how to raise my daughter, how to teach her about what she's living with, how to teach her and help her understand when she sees me act and react in certain ways. And it has forged the path that I have to take with her, and it's been so far a correct and healthy and right one. Uh, And so seeing that work um, partly as a uh, function of what I read on the web from experts, um, Sam Vaknin among others, and reading uh, to an extent about abuse, um, it helped me to see that I, as a young girl, if if I was not taught these things by my own parents and my own family, I wasn't taught these things anywhere. The very first time I was ever exposed to human psychology was at university in freshman year. And going through watching my daughter grow and watching her react to his behaviors in this case, um, watching her react to what I have to do to deal with them, I suddenly realized, my God, this, this isn't for adults. This starts at the bullying stage in school. This starts in, in the United States in fifth grade, in fourth grade. This starts when kids are already acting out. And if it's not caught then, um, then these kids run free reign. So that's yeah. when I realized that paying it forward and uh, talking with more people about what could be done, because this is just simply about human behavior. It's just okay. human behavior. And so my view is to move from an environment of being taught, oh, everybody's wonderful, everybody's good, you know, grow up to be good and obedient and so forth and so on, to recognizing let's live in truth and fact. Absolutely. And let's, let's live looking at the entire planet about how different cultures live and how different kinds yeah. of people um, yeah. behave and react and not, teach our kids in a bubble in a vacuum it's not helping absolutely i agree i call it fluffy new age thinking you know if i'm just going to be a lovely giving loving person that my life is going to run perfectly no that does not incorporate and bring in boundary function and boundary function is everything and what you know i find is that people that don't have good boundaries and i certainly didn't i didn't you know, I had integrity. Absolutely, I was brought up with a family that was very much about honesty, about doing the right thing. So I had a yeah, ton of integrity. And most women that get with narcissists have got a ton of integrity. Yeah. Absolutely. But then yeah. what happens is we start seeing and we get incensed and we get upset and we, and we find it so hard to accept that people can be like that and people can do that. Well, we've got to. So much of the healing and the empowering process is when we accept it and we go, it is what it is. It exists. It's out there. Well, there's 
that I two pieces of factual information that I learned through this process that changed the that talked my brain. Um, one of them was a piece of scientific data somewhere that said um, only I think one in ten males on the planet actually procreate. That that blew my mind. Really? Because it tells it, yeah because it told me that not every male on the planet is suitable to be selected. Um, which, you know, no one had ever told me in my lifetime. Wow. Um, yeah. You're right. Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah. And the other um, detail went immediately out of my brain, and I'm sure it will come to me when we're on another topic. Okay. Yeah, 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 okay. for sure, for sure. Okay, so let's have a look at the schooling system and bullying I mean, bullying's been going on for a long, long time, hasn't it? Yeah. And it re- yeah, and but it interestingly, really- interestingly, just last week, um, for your listeners, uh, I don't know if they caught it, Yahoo had a headline article, um, an article through Time magazine entitled School Bullying Prevention, Teaching Empathy at a Young Age, uh, which I think is uh, a useful article to read uh, on the one hand. On the other hand, it's not like this is something new. But the interesting piece in the article to me uh, was that they referred to the different cultures of Sparta and Athens in terms of how they reared their children and what kinds of behaviors it resulted in. And I found that interesting because just a year ago when my daughter was in sixth grade, a standard portion of her history class uh, was a a city-states section where they must have spent two months or longer, where there were teams that you could choose to be on, and some of them were Spartan teams and some of them were Athenian teams. And the Athenian teams had the higher order, uh, you know, justice and loyalty and the arts and so forth, and the Spartans were the warriors. Um, and the <clears throat> my daughter noticed that the behaviors of the various teams through time, <clears throat> pardon me, were very much in line with those different kinds of cultures. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so narcissism in schools, what Mm -hmm. do you believe? Obviously, there needs to be a lot more education, doesn't there? A lot more awareness in the curricular system about human behavior and life skills. And this really needs to come in. I I completely agree. Um, I I don't think the kids are really taught about human behavior um, as a conceptual thing about being humans in general and how they how that applies from culture to culture, um, I also think that it's part of the kernel of the message um, about living in truth and fact is to teach kids to form a filter, a filter. And I, I take this to my own experience because years ago I commented to my ex-husband that I didn't seem to have the filter that other people had in terms of understanding people's behaviors and motivations, and I was always missing cues, and I didn't know why. And obviously that eventually was was used against me. But the filter that I was missing was understanding that that there is good and evil in people and that that behavior um, expresses itself on a vast continuum. So teaching kids to form a filter, teaching kids to become discerning and to distinguish and differentiate, teaching kids um, to, to read people um, in terms of their facial expressions and their voice tones and their body postures, and that is teaching how to read motivations as opposed to simply the words that people say um, when you understand having gone through a narcissistic relationship, that it's only behavior ultimately that matters. So why don't we teach our kids that when they're in second and third and fourth grade? Yes, yes. And I think as children it's difficult, isn't it? Because children are emotional and women can be very emotional too. So that when there is injustice or there is berating or there is put-downs as children and, you know, any emotional being... It can feel very personal and we can really feel, you know, children do. Like if a a child says to them, well, I don't want to be your friend, 
that can be yeah. devastating. That feels yeah. like abandonment. It feels like rejection. It feels like all of those sorts of things. And I, I really believe that a huge part of this is that education needs to be about knowing that even from a young age that your energy is sufficient to support yourself. You don't have to be reliant on outside energy to validate you and approve of you constantly. Yeah, I think we're talking about an inward uh, journey versus external focus. Yes. Um, and I would com- I would completely agree that um, and you know I'm speaking again as a, a midlife gal having gone through the American public educational system um, that was never taught to me no. not in 12 years not in 16 years not in 18 years of education um, the 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 fact that I inherently um, uh, just as part of myself have value. Uh, and one of the, the, the first self-affirming um, self-talk statements uh, that I said to myself and uh, that I say to my daughter when she is uh, demeaned as a female by her dad is simply, you are a person of value in this world. And the message is, regardless of spiritual belief or any other kind of background, you have a fire inside you. You have an energy inside you, and you are responsible for protecting and defending that your entire life, every day that you breathe. And you own it, and no one one else can ever take it. No one can ever um, uh, cut it away from you if you don't let them. I think that's beautiful, and I think that's really important. And I think those sort of metaphors or visualizations or understandings should be a part of a meditation curriculum, of an inner Mm -hmm. empowerment curriculum, so that Mm -hmm. kids, when they're growing up, can really be on the inside looking out and say, well, you know, what you're saying and doing, I don't have to take that on. That doesn't feel good to me. I don't have to fix it, change it or fight with it to make you agree with me. I can just say, you know what, that's not me. That's not my reality. I don't even need to play with you. Yeah, yeah. One one of the things that I've learned that's worked really well with my daughter uh, that other families have actually commented on as they observe our relationship um, Having, having grown up with the generation that, you know, I, I do what my father told me to do because he was my father, um, that to me does not result in automatic respect, understanding, learning, or anything else. So as I teach my daughter, I not only instruct her, but I also take the time to tell her why. So my life outlook is to teach her to fish, not to give her a fish. Beautiful. Um, so, so when she has an experience with a friendship at school that's disappointing or she's got to grieve something or um, she's a new person in her school district uh, this year and she doesn't transition well, so it's been uh, very difficult for her and sad for her, um, we talk through those things. And um, I'm, I guess I'm teaching her to let go also, at a very young age, I'm teaching her that relationships are not set in stone, that people do flow through your life, and that goodbye is okay, and that it's a constant throughout the entirety of your life. And that was not anything I was ever taught either. Well, I tell you what, she is one very lucky little girl to be receiving this sort of insight and this grounding from her mum. That. And I just hope a lot of mums listening to this can really, really, you know, grab hold of some of this information. I know I wish I'd known this. When I was a mum, when my son was in his formative years, you know, look, I didn't even know that stuff myself, let alone being able to impart that to him. My daughter um, experienced... um, some narcissist type uh, behaviors 
in her former school district in our former town, um, which I think I, I sent to you in notes. Yeah. Um, even when she was just in kindergarten, um, and we'd only had her in the school a month or two, uh, she came home one afternoon uh, with a business envelope, and in the business envelope was a drawing of a boy. Um, it was a stick figure drawing of a boy kicking and strangling her with a rope. Goodness. And it scared the it scared the living hell out of me. Uh, so there was an investigation at the school, and it was discovered that a boy in her own class and his older sister worked on it together. And the next thing that happened was that the parent, the father, sat in the principal's office and told the principal that it was my daughter's fault because she was kissing the boys. Goodness. Well, there's um, uh, But my, my point in bringing that out is that our, our kids experience bullying and other kinds of, I can only call it abusive treatment in school, probably long before we ever hear about it. Yes. Um, I, kn- I know that my daughter is very open and shares with me, but I knew that she was an old soul. Um, I knew from the way she processed information that there yes. were certain things that she could receive earlier than other kids. And part of it was how I couched it. Part of it was the explaining why, um, because it was not as harsh a blow. Um, So she she knows that there are a variety of different kinds of people in the world um, and that you need to be discerning to pick and choose and that not all of them will be healthy for your mind or your body or your spirit. Yes. And so she's already... It really should be curriculum. Absolutely. I agree. So I know a lot of women out there listening in, we haven't got long to go, but a lot of women with the co-parenting and knowing that their child is still going to be in the energy of a narcissistic Mm ex-partner, what can you say to those women to help them? Because a lot of them, I know a lot of them stay or even consider staying because they don't want that scenario. What can you say to these women about leaving and being able to keep your child as safe and as sane and as healthy as possible? What's your advice? I have to agree with the experts um, that I've read on the web who basically said, tell your kids the truth. Um, Don't sugarcoat it. Don't dance around it. Don't say everything is fine with my partner. Uh, My daughter uh, came to me and told me things that her father had said to her that were very obviously demeaning. Um, And at one point, uh, we were actually in a shop together, and she turned and said to uh, the women salespeople something like, you know, it's the woman's job to serve the man or some other such thing. And I thought, oh, my God, where did that come from? Um, And she was nine years old. Yes. So um, what I would say to the women, and that's a, that's a, a heavy question, um, stay living in truth and fact. Um, pay attention to their voice tone, your kids' voice tones, um, uh, your kids' facial expressions uh, when, they, when they try to not talk about uh, the tough stuff. Um, and another thing that I found actually worked quite well is when my daughter and I got down on the floor together in her bedroom at a quiet moment, and I was actually lying on the floor below her, or we'd be, both be on our backs or you know, sitting on the floor, suddenly we created this intimate moment between the two of us and I noticed a trend that at those times she was more forthcoming than at any other time um, in sharing with me uh, the things that she was experiencing at her dad's house, uh, things that were affecting her. Um, I don't know why. Maybe there was a bubble around us. Maybe she just felt safer when I would, I would say down at her level. Um, so that, that's just one suggestion if the kids are small. Um, 
the other thing about uh, telling them the truth is to depersonalize the lesson. I took a big risk in starting to teach my daughter when I was when she was six or seven years old, but I discovered something. I discovered through going out and dating and meeting guys who were narcissistic and you know passive aggressive and the whole spectrum of stuff I never knew existed before, and I realized that these teachings were not specific to her father, that they were universal on the planet. And yes, so yes. instead of referring to him individually, we made it a lesson. We made it um, uh, kind of a general out-in-the-world lesson. So as we'd be in the grocery store, we'd comment on the woman's behavior at the cash register. As we'd be at the gas station, if the man made a snide remark or you know some attitude, and so I'd show her that there are various people around you in the world um, who are wired differently and who behave differently. So she could see it as a more universal situation as opposed to just an attack on her father. Uh, and that worked really, really, really well because it became a universal life lesson, uh, which she can carry through with her, uh, with her for the remainder of her life. And then she used those general lessons to apply and discern based on the home situation that she was living in with him or with anybody else. That's a great so that point. Was how, that was basically how I got away with it. Um, and the lesson came through. And now at, at 12 years old, she told me that over the past year, she now goes on the Internet herself and looks up narcissism and looks up psychopaths. Um, and she told me after the fact. So she's investigating on her own, and she comes home from school talking about different behaviors of the kids around her. So she's using her tools to discern behaviors in age groups and, you know, between the sexes. And um, so she's becoming empowered all her own. And to me, if I were, you know, to die tomorrow... Um, I feel like I've put her on the right path, and I feel extremely fortunate. That's beautiful. Because you're right. If you were to uh, directly, like, attack him, well, then you're yeah. only going to set yourself up as this is a competition between the parents, you know, and often I've met with a lot of women that, you know, it's turned into that, and then the kids are even turned against them, and um, and then the mum's trying to get the validation through the child about the behaviour. And I think mm -hmm. the way that you're looking at it and approaching it and been working with it is, is fantastic because you're empowering her, opening up her eyes and allowing her to make her own choices and her own discernments with it. And that was the thing that I never had. I told her I'd much rather have you see the good, the bad, and the ugly at 12, you know, 14, 16 years old than learn it like I did at 45. Absolutely. Hear, hear to that. Too many things are covered up and hidden thinking that children are protected and yeah. we're in that bubble, we come out of it and we hit this screaming horrible brick wall and have had no idea and no tools. So yeah. you're right. There, there are a lot of cultures in the world, and there are a lot of people who think and behave based on a whole variety of different attitudes and mores. And it's a function, I think, of teaching our kids to have a more global mind to the positive and the negative uh, and the behaviors and the consequences associated with them, not just on the block or in the town or uh, in your own state or in your own country but to give it a broader view because that is the reality. When my daughter um, uh, was maybe eight or nine years old and she was having some kind of tantrum and she... Can you hear me, Mel? Yeah, look, perfect, perfect. Well, I think this message is really important and in a few weeks we're going to come on again and we're going to keep going with these discussions because I think they're very, very important about children and about the court situations and... Thank you so much for your contribution, New Wings. This has been wonderful. And, You're uh, very and welcome. Look, yeah, and look, I look forward to, and also to if anybody wants to send me in any questions or suggestions, um, I'd love to be able to pass them on to you as well. So if you could give out any information that would help people. 
or steer them because I think you know you're a lovely contributor to all of this and thank you and thank you for listening in everybody and pick this up in podcast and we're going to uh, do a very very similar show in a few weeks so look out for that one thank you new wings for coming on and we'll talk soon thank you so much Melanie I enjoyed it I did too okay bye bye darling have a great night thank you you too bye 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 bye